Well, hello again and welcome to this, our first bird bite after the summer break, which we hope you all enjoyed and you did manage to get a break and get away. Uh, there can be no doubt that COVID-19 has accelerated trends, uh, changes in the world of work. Uh, we've seen a huge increase in remote working and reading the likes of the Financial Times. Uh, there was this very strong suggestion that people are not going to crowd back into offices, not necessarily because they don't want to, but because they can't. Uh, if you're dependent on public transport to get into the centre of London or the centre of New York, and then if you're dependent on escalators to get to the 56th floor, you're just not going to do it. And who's going to walk up 56 floors because they can't take the elevator? Well, maybe my guest today, Anne-Marie Munz, can um, walk up 56 floors because there's not a lot else she can't do. Um, those of you watching this will know Anne-Marie. She's been a long time um, attendee at Bird Members representing Randstad, uh, where she is managing director of global public affairs. And for the moment, uh, at least until the end of this month, uh, she's also the president of the World Employment Confederation, which brings together all of the major and reputable employment agencies uh, throughout the world, because there are some very unreputable ones as well, um, but not members of the World Employment Confederation. And there's nobody better uh, to talk about changes in the world of work, the close observer of what has been happening over the years, and also somebody with uh, strong opinions on the way things should evolve in the future as we return to, I won't call it a new normal, but to a new paradigm of the way work is going to be organised um, as we go forward, because not just COVID-19, but other changes like the growth in artificial intelligence, the, rep the rapid spread of 5G, which makes remote working even easier because you don't need to be cabling houses and so on. Um, and of course, the huge growth in platform working, which we've also seen over recent years. And unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, there's an underside, a dark underside to all of this with the potential emergence and the emergence of a new underclass, which are, you know, badly paid uh, in some instances, in many instances. And as we've seen during COVID-19, um, some of them lack any sort of employment protection in difficult times. So, Anne-Marie, First of all, thanks for joining us. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Just before we came on air, so to speak, you told me you've just spent the last hour or so speaking to 5,000 people in Russia. Um, you know, some mornings work already. So tell me, tell me, Anne-Marie, what do you see from your perspective, from where you sit and where you've been as president over the last couple of years at the World Employment Confederation? What do you see as the major changes that we're now looking at? Well, th thanks, Tom, and uh, uh, hello to you, and hello to uh, to all Bird members. Uh, nice to be speaking to you. Um, indeed, yeah. What did we see? Well, a lot of transformations, transformations that already were out there, but but increased in speed and trends. You know that I'll speak a bit if you allow me on on the trends we see. Um, they were out there already. We know them. Uh, uh, you all know them. But what we de do see is acceleration. And what we do see is a difference of impact, eh? the, the, the social impact of, of these trends. Um, before getting to those trends, someone, and maybe that's a nice intro or a link to what you just said on, on we see different impact on different groups. You know, some are doing very well 
If I had brought my money to the stock market, hey, that would have been great. Some did. And we other see on the other end of the scale, we see people, and you were referring to them, that lost their jobs, were in unsecure arrangements, don't have social protection. So I, I, I just recently heard that maybe this time we're not talking about a U-shaped or a, a W-shaped or whatever recession we used to know, but we're talking about a new kind of a recession, a K-shaped recession. So one arrow going up, ah, the ones that have it, and one going down. Clearly flagging to me, what we see is that the trends are increasing and that as a result of those trends, there's more gaps, there's more polarization, there's more differences between the haves and the have-nots. Could you, could you explain to me when you talk about a K-shaped um, potential recovery, now, who do you see benefiting from the, the upside of the K and who do you see sort of caught in the downside of the K? Well, caught in the downside of the K, of course, let me get back. Huh? What what we see now in trends is uh, automation. Um, everybody is has been implementing automation in all sorts of forms and formats, uh, AI, and that has increased. We had to. Uh, we had to speed up because people were working at home and we needed to get product, keep productivity up. So automation as a trend has accelerated. And... Part and parcel of any auto uh, innovation, as automation is, is job destruction. Part and parcel also is job creation. Can I can I just can I just ask you to wind back a second? When you talk about automation, are we talking about you know increased factory automation, or are we also talking about automation of the white collar sector? Both, both. It used to be factory a lot, but now we see a very nice example, Tom. Um, hey, you wouldn't guess it, but I'm speaking from the office. I, I'm, I'm a, 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 the hybrid model. So working at home and working at the office about two days a week. That's possible. Capacity of 20% we have. Um, in order to work at the office, we actually implemented for office workers at Ronsat a tool which we use at Ronsat for clients, Uplan, a planning tool. Those kind of planning tools have made their way from the work floor, from more, you know, industrial work to office work, planning around. So before I go to the office, I look in my planning schedule. Okay, am I allowed to enter? Can I plan? Who will be there? Where do I, uh, uh, how do I order my lunch? So it's, it's these kind of, of course, is a very simple example, but that is what's happening. And as a result of that, and not, not necessarily this example, but as a result of that, any, any automation job, uh, uh, destruction together with a recession as is, ah, there is an economic recession, but also job creation. And to me, the ones that are losing out, are the ones that were in sectors that are very hard hit. And often that were young people working there and women. Now, if you look at retail, hospitality, that's you only have to think about it to know who got the hardest hit. You see it around you. Let me, um, let me come back to that in a moment, but let me just let, wind you back a little bit as we're talking about automation. Um, one of the things I've seen referred to repeatedly in 
newspaper and other articles about let's call it white collar automation or remote and remote working and I'll tie the two of them together is that well if you are working in an office in Amsterdam let's say for instance but you can now work from your home somewhere on the Dutch coast it's only going to be a matter of time before your boss says well you know I can get somebody to do this for me from Nigeria um, or from Kenya or from Vietnam at a quarter of the cost. Yep. Do you do you see that risk there as well? I'm not sure it's a risk. Um, for me, it's an opportunity, except for that last one at a quarter of the cost. Of course, cost is always an issue, but um, of course, and and this is one of the other trends: automation, other trend, demographics. Huh? That was out there, aging population in the West. And a young, a lot of young people looking for secure income, secure work in countries as India, Vietnam, Nigeria. Um, in the West, we will have a scarcity of talent again. It was there before the recession, it will return. So we need that talent. Um, but we don't necessarily need to have them in the office here in the West. Um, what we do need is to organize it. That's automation. And that's already been implemented. I, I, I saw this morning that actually at Ronsat we're implementing hubs for IT people to, to indeed work exactly as you say. Um, but there is for me a big but here. And that is the but of decent work. It mm. has to be done on fair working conditions, fair pay, Social security, uh, sickness, unemployment, and we need to invest in skilling. And th- that's tied together what we call an agenda of social innovation. And you know, Tom, if you look at, at the trends now, uh, where, where governments meet, I just read through the uh, labor minister's declaration for the G20. They are exactly um, pinpointing those issues. Decent work what to do, how to implement a social agenda around transforming from work to work, investing in skilling, upkeeping social security, and reducing informality. Because well, let, me, let, yeah. let, let, let me come back to that in a couple of minutes, because I also want to talk to you about um, those sort of issues in the context, for instance, of potential European legislation on supply chain due diligence um, and how best these things yeah. can knit together. But go back to what you were saying about the sectors that have lost out, and clearly um, hospitality, you know, no doubt about it. You know, you see bars empty everywhere, cafes half full, right? and of course retail. But are we seeing a shift in retail again from where you sit? Like what, from my perspective, what I see is that, well, for every job lost in CNA or uh, Marks and Spencer, you know, two jobs are being created in Amazon. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, like, I can't remember, let, let me put it personally, like, I can't remember the last time Celeste, my wife, went and bought something in the shop. But buying something online, you know, and myself as well with computer equipment and so on, you know, that's where we're going, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but that, that, that's a, a transformation that was already out there, but it, it, in, it, 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 with humongous speed, that transformation became implemented. Of course. And, you know, but again, it's, it's, if you look at it, um, 
a lot of automation, it, it, two aspects that stick out here. The first is indeed um, you, uh, job creation, job destruction. Uh, the simple one, an example in the Netherlands with aid of the government, uh, all those luggage handlers at the airport, Schiphol, hey, no work. But handling luggage is also handling packages in warehouses, the ones we are ordering. But they, they, you need, do need a bit of practical reskilling to get those people there. That's what the government, together with uh, private employment agencies, did in the Netherlands. So they're working indeed at the Amazons of the world now. Um, that's good. Do you see at any stage those retail jobs, the traditional retail jobs, the traditional hospitality jobs coming back? Uh, well, what, those retail jobs, no, not to a large extent. Hospitality, ah, that's, that's still an if. Ah, it, it depends on uh, virus, uh, vaccines and, and those kind of things. Um, it might differ though, but that I'm, I'm not good at predictions on that. But, um, what we do see is that, that people, uh, need to transform, need to be reskilled, um, and need to, yeah, we need to ensure that they are out of un- unemployment as soon as possible. And, and that's a big challenge. One thing that occurs to me, you know, uh, look, you've been at Berg meetings, right? And you know that they're social occasions as much as business occasions and that um, after the PowerPoints, people enjoy the coffee and then later in the evening, Jay, enjoy an aperitif and dinner together and just chatting and talking, you know, the human dimension to work. I mean, how do we... Uh, how do we replicate that if we're increasingly going to be talking like you and I are now and if work is going to be organized like this? Hey, let's be honest. We're all struggling with that. huh? You know, it's to me, and that's just a personal note here. Um, you can work fine with all this uh, zoom, zoom in, zoom out. Uh, that that's, that's fine. It's productive. It's good. But what it doesn't do is have the touch of informality. Um, I miss my corridors. I miss my coffees. I miss meeting new people. Your circle becomes smaller. How do you meet new people, actually? It's also those impromptu uh, meetings you have at conferences. And certainly for someone in public affairs, yeah, that's a great miss. I don't know an answer on that yet. Uh, we're doing well. We're tagging along. Yeah. Um, but also the interaction in Zoom meetings. Yeah, that's less. Uh, it's yeah. not like a Rody Burke meeting and somebody say, Hey, what you're saying, uh, I'm challenging you. Yeah. That's, I think we miss that. And I, I, I can only hope we'll go back to that, but yeah, we'll I... the good things of, um, what we're now experiencing because they are also good and productive. See, I think it's it's fine for, say, like somebody like you and me. Like, you know, we're both long time at what we do. We know one another. So when we have a conversation like this, um, it's not that difficult. 
Um, but what, what concerns me, and I think what concerns a lot of people is, what do we do with new young people coming into the workforce who are not familiar with our company culture, with our ways of doing things? How, how, how do we socialize them? Have you given that any thought? Yeah, of course. And, and uh, the models have been tried. No, and, uh, on recruitment of uh, digital, not anymore face-to-face in life. Um, onboarding, engagement. And of course, we all put out surveys to see what was the level of engagement. But certainly for young people, you need to reflect on, on things that they feel a, that they feel secure, that they feel trusted, that they feel needed. Um, and that there's also some joy. So yeah, what do you do? You connect often. Um, that that's the number one lesson: connect, connect, connect. Otherwise, there's no community. Um, you also devote time to uh, the the number of babies, dogs, and what have you more I've seen in screens. But you <laughs> have to. You have to. It's so important um, that we now see with working from home this blending this of family life and work life. It's part of us as well. So if we go to a hybrid model, we better accept and embrace that and care for it. To me, there's two words in, in, in this belonging. It's trust, trust from the leadership, freedom in the frame, and caring, the empathy. That, that's what's really, and then you, you get into all kinds of models. And for some, it's online yoga classes. Yeah. Um, and for others, it's online cooking classes. I've seen them all and they work. But I think it's still evolving. I mean, I've I've seen the phrase, and we're familiar with the phrase, you know, um, working from home. And I've seen other people say, well, we should really invert that and now say we're living at work. Um, So once you start working from home, um, how do you learn to draw a line between work and home? So, for instance, there are members of the European Parliament um, who would like to see a European European legislation on the right to disconnect. Um, um, And that obviously raises questions around what is working time and how do you draw a difference between at home and not at home and so on. Um, And, of course, if I'm using my computer, you could say, well, you can turn off your computer at 6 o'clock in the evening. But, hey, then how do I talk to my friends? You know, and if my computer's on, my emails are going to pop up and so on. Again, have you explored this in any way? Yeah, hybrid is hybrid. And and it's back to what I just said. It's trust, trust from the leadership that the people are doing what they need to do. It's new forms also of, of steering huh, you have there. It's not a traditional steering management by walking around. That's of the past. So it's new models of steering with a high level of trust um, and freedom in the frame. And that to me is really empowerment, freedom in the frame. So set the frame as management. And, you know, if if you have, you were talking about that guy from, uh, IT guy from Nigeria, you want on your team. Well, that's the same time zone, but let's have Japan or Korea. That's another time zone. So the right to disconnect, uh, uh, we will not be working in the same office in the same place at the same time anymore. That that unity is broken. 
So the right to disconnect is, is also a right that is not, cannot be, be, be framed by time. You have to frame it yourself. Huh? That's a big responsibility also of management to see that your, your, your people are taking their time off. Uh, that's the element of care. You need to give them a framework and you provide trust. So tell them what to do, how to do it. What are you measuring? But within that framework, it is freedom. You also need to monitor physical health, eh? uh, physiological health, because what we see is a lot of problems there. Um, and then you need to have a one-on-one, hey, what are you doing? Stop. I don't care. And I've seen that also. I don't care you don't work today. Even if it's a Wednesday, whatever. Take off. Yeah. Enjoy the sunshine. A new model of steering, a new model of driving, a new model of management. Uh, so HR, um, I see it happening. HR is reinventing itself, but they cannot reinvent themselves if they don't connect with all kinds of other functions and the companies, uh, legal, uh, public affairs, uh, because IT, because um, the way we used to work, still very siloed, that will become more network as well, more community as well. Okay, let me touch on one last topic before we wrap all of this up. You mentioned a little earlier about the need for decent work and decent working conditions and so on. And of course, as work becomes more global, we've had globalization for the last God knows how many years, but we may be at a new phase of globalization, um, especially in the white collar, the white collar world. And of course, we see um, the European Commission proposing legislation on due diligence in global supply chains. Um, so how, how do you react to all of that? You know, my own view, for instance, is that there are some difficulties involved because who knows who's the supplier to a supplier to a sub-supplier and how far down the chain does responsibility run? Well, and, and whose responsibility? Because if you look at the supply chain, the supply chain is effectively a, a, a different set of countries, a different set of cultures, a different set of legislative environments, workers, different workers on different contracts. To me, um, it, it actually is the sustainability agenda, uh, and, and notably SDG 8 on decent work, that has to become part and parcel integrated in your policies. Policies on in the workplace, uh, what is decent work for an employer, but more important policies by the government. Um, why are workers in well, India still a lot in informality? Um, this is where clearly the government has a task a task of regulating, a task of setting standards. Um, yes, there is a responsibility, and it's it's back to the uh, the whole uh, discussion about uh, the textile agreement. Sure, big companies have a major responsibility for decent work, but you can only provide decent work if there's a level playing field, if there's the right level of regulation. If you don't do that, there still will be unfair competition. There still will be a race to the bottom. It's a responsibility of society, mainly of governments. I was actually very happy to note um, that ITUC um, in their uh, L20 
uh, declaration, and, and this is for the private employment agencies, but, you know, agency work is also part of any supply chain, any, and you refer to it yourself. There are good agencies and there are some unscrupulous ones because of a lack of regulation. So very happy. And this illustrates what I said that, uh, that, uh, ITC said in their, uh, L20 declaration that we should implement on every level uh, the ILO 181 Convention on Private Employment Agencies, which secures right regulation and which secures, for instance, that workers can never be asked to pay for recruitment. So that's a great example. And, and, but that's not often, it's not a nice one. It's not one for the short term. It's not an easy solution. It's really working at that regulatory environment altogether. Okay, and one final question, one final question. All of the things you've mentioned, you know, uh, the, the globalization of white-collar work, remote working, um, flexibility, a new frame, and so on. Is this the end of the traditional, you know, full-time employment contract? The old-fashioned, you know, 40-hour <laughs> work week? Is that a thing of the past? Hey, come Is on, that's not never a thing of the present. If 60%, if 60% of the world population is working in informality, yeah. I think about maybe 20%, I don't have those figs right, but uh, it was always a minority. Yeah, but in the always. Western, in Western Europe, it was never a minority, it was a majority. Uh, so. Western Europe, it was about 60% on indefinite work, maybe in some countries, but there was always a rise of diversity of contracts, well-regulated one. And, and that is maybe one that we, we still have to, to reflect on is the rise of the self-employed. If one are the victim in the West of uh, the crisis, it's the self-employed. No social security to speak of. No unemployment benefits. Um, their businesses destroyed, often in personal services. Uh, that's your yoga teacher. Some are innovative. Some were less innovative. They lost their business and had no security. So I am curious to see how this crisis will impact the reform of social security and also will impact uh, the willingness of people to go for a quick buck by not being a employee. Yep. You know, if we had been having this conversation last January, I think it would have been a very, very different conversation. It is amazing uh, how something as unexpected as COVID-19 has changed. As you said at the start of this, that some of those trends were there already. Many of them were there already, but they've been accelerated at the speed of light by what we're, what we are currently going through. Um, I think that we're just at the beginning of this change and uh, people like you and people who think about these things in a holistic way are going to be extremely important as we go forward, bringing ideas to the table. Um, so listen, Anne-Marie, can I, can I thank you for taking the time to join us? If we were in Brussels or Sitges, I'd now invite you for an aperitif, no matter what time of the day it was. But I'm sure you're able to pour yourself one. And I'll look forward to meeting you again in person sometime soon. So Thank you, Tom. And thank you all. So thank you all for watching this. And we'll be doing another bird bite in the near future. Thank you and stay safe.